Hello and welcome back to Grateful Gwenna. Thank you for joining us again today. We're glad you're here. I hope you're safe, and if you're not, please do not hesitate to call the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. Please get to a place of safety as soon as you possibly can. So today's episode is going to be a little different. Um, I've been feeling the Holy Spirit kind of prompting and nudging me to discuss and talk about this lately for you folks out there. So again, once again, uh, thank you for joining me today for this podcast episode. Today, I'm going to tell you about how I met my abuser. And by abuser, I am referring to and alluding to and talking about and indicating my abusive ex-husband. As most of you know, um, I was married a total of 17 years. But how did that come about? Um, How did I land in a marriage with an abusive man? Um, I have discussed in a prior episode, if you'd like to listen to that later at your own convenience, um, but I have already discussed some of my tendencies, I guess, if you will, um, based on what I was accustomed to and the emotional, mental, and physical abuse um, I suffered in my childhood and in my growing up years and my teenage years as well. Um, But today, I'm kind of going to just give you the facts of how I met my ex-husband. There's a lot to my story, so I'm going to try to keep this as focused as possible. Um, But basically, I was uh, in my early 20s, I believe. Yeah, probably about 22 years old. And I, at the time I was working, um, I had uh, not too recently graduated from undergraduate college and had just gotten a Bachelor of Arts in Spanish degree under my belt from Purdue University, which was awesome and nice. And then I had um, a job for a year and a half as um, an international... I can't remember my exact title, but I think it was something like international secretary or international sales secretary. Um, And I was, at the time, I was the first and only bilingual um, employee in the company, at least in the office. Anyway, I'm not sure about in the factory. It happened to be for a wire dye company. And I had one of the best bosses I've ever had there. But I worked there for about a year and a half. And that was, I couldn't get into the major life insurance company I had wanted to get into. Um, It was very famous. And my beloved grandmother, Grandma Walker, who was my best friend, she kept telling me what a great reputation this insurance company had. But when I applied, um, they wanted someone for the position that I had applied for, which was, um, I believe, a bilingual secretary, that they had wanted someone who typed 45 words a minute minimum, and I only typed 35. So I took this other job at the wire dye company um, as an international sales secretary, and I I ended up working there for a year and a half. And during that year and a half, on the side, outside of my job while I was working, I also was 
practicing my typing skills and I got my skills up to 45 words a minute and a year and a half later I started working at this company um, the the insurance company as a bilingual territorial assistant for the territory of Latin America which sounds impressive and it was it was exciting um, I was quote-unquote just a secretary but um, a bilingual territorial assistant basically means a secretary, it's a glorified name for a secretary who speaks Spanish. And um, my boss's territory, he was the manager of Latin America. So um, primarily Argentina and just the different countries in South America were primarily our customers. Every once in a while, we would have someone from Spain or something like that, but it was primarily Latin or South America. Um, Occasionally, it also included some countries in Central America, but like I said, it was primarily South America. When I took that position, um, the person whom I replaced um, was a male, and he had been raised by missionary parents in the Dominican Republic, that country. And so our time working at the insurance company overlapped enough that he was training me for two weeks. And so during these two weeks, he invited me to attend a Hispanic church. And he kept inviting me and kept inviting me and kept inviting me to the point where I felt obligated to go. So he kept saying, you can practice your Spanish there because he knew I wasn't a native Spanish speaker. So, um, and I've like, when I was in seventh grade, uh, you probably know from a prior podcast episode that that's when I started studying Spanish. Um, so he knew I wasn't a, a native Spanish speaker, so he invited me to this church service. And when I went to the church service, um, that is where I met my ex-husband. Um, when I went to this Hispanic church service, and it was across on the other side of town um, on a Sunday morning, uh, again, that's where I met my ex-husband. And he was the pastor of that church. It was a Hispanic church, and he was the pastor's, my ex-husband, well, he wasn't yet my husband at the time, but he was the pastor's right-hand man at that church. And um, the pastor happened to be, or a co-pastor, was a co-pastor, happened to be leaving the church. So my ex-husband asked me for my telephone number, and he called me and invited me to go to the mall to an art store and choose a kind of a farewell gift for this co-pastor who was supposed to be leaving the church. And so um, I'm the type of person that I'm normally, I'm very friendly. Um, people feel comfortable with me a lot when they first meet me. And they think I tell my whole life story, even though I don't, because there's so much to my life story that I couldn't possibly really even begin to tell a complete stranger all that I've been through in my life. As I'm sure you're starting to get the impression if you've been listening to my podcasts and episodes and recordings for a while. Um but anyway, uh, so so my ex-husband invited me to this art store at the mall, and we met there, um, which that was good. We met at a public place, and so I met him at the mall, and, you know, he told me what he was doing. He said, you know, I'm kind of the pastor's right-hand man, and there's a co-pastor leaving the church, and I need to get a farewell gift for him. Would you come help me choose it? And normally I'm a real friendly person and I am very type A personality. I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm, I can be spontaneous, 
but I prefer a routine and plan and I can be flexible. You have to be flexible being a teacher for sure. Um, but I like a guideline of a plan or an outline of a plan. Um, but if someone needs help, I have a tendency, it's my natural tendency to just jump in and help them. And my ex-husband at the time, um, he's originally from Mexico City. And he had only been in the United States of America when I met him for, I believe, four years. And so he was still learning English. Even though they learn English in Mexico, as you can imagine, just like here, it's different when you're actually immersed in the language and living in that country where you speak that language all the time, day in and day out, as opposed to just learning it in school. I mean, plus, when you're just learning a language in school, it, you're just there for what, maybe up to an hour a day, up to five days a week, and maybe it's only two or three times a week. So unless you have block courses, and then it's longer, but not five days a week. So it averages out to not a lot of time. That's not a lot of time to become fluent in any language that's not your native language. And if you think about it, okay, now I'm kind of off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but just very briefly, my little Shakespearean aside, because obviously I am a Spanish teacher as well. Um, I am actually licensed to teach Spanish to grades five through 12. But um, when you're learning your native language, like those of us in the United States of America, born and raised in USA, um, not all of us, but a lot of us, our native language is English or American English. I like to call it American English because there is such a thing as British English as well. But, you know, we have from the time the day we're born all the way to, you know, preschool or kindergarten, depending on what you do or if you homeschool, but we have like usually anywhere from two to five years where we are learning a language, right? And it's not, you know, an hour a day up to five days a week. It's, I mean, we're constantly immersed in that language. And it's actually one of the best ways to learn any language uh, is just to be immersed in it. And what do I mean by immersed in it? I mean, being around it all the time to the point where you can't, use any other language. So if your native language is American English, for example, or English, and you want to learn Spanish, or you want to learn French, the best thing to do is be in an environment where you're forced to use your Spanish, or you're forced to use your English, and you can't use English, or you're supposed you for I'm sorry, where you're forced to use your Spanish, or you're forced to use your French, and you can't use English, even to ask for food, or basic needs like water, shelter, clothing, um, going to the bathroom. You know, when you're forced to say those things in that other language, that's when you learn the language the best because your brain, it just seems to engage more quickly because you're applying it in real life situations. So anyway, now that I got off, us all off on that tangent or rabbit trail or Shakespearean aside, whatever you want to call it, um, so anyway, I had met my ex-husband at the church, and so I went ahead, and even though my natural tendency as a type A personality teacher, <laughs> who is not usually very spontaneous and can flex, but likes a guideline with a routine or a schedule, um, and you have to be flexible, but generally speaking, uh, the kids and students, they like the stability of that routine also, and they can flex too. It's important to be able to be flexible and teachable. 
But I normally, my normal self uh, would have tried to help if, you know, like my ex-husband, his native language was obviously Spanish because he's from Mexico City originally. Like he was born and raised in Mexico City. And like I said, he had, uh, when he was about 28 years old or so, he had come to the United States of America to, to live. So I met him at the mall at this art store to help him choose a gift for the co-pastor who was leaving the church, a farewell gift. And I went into the store and, you know, I don't remember all the details, but I do remember vaguely shopping around and I was feeling a little shy because I had just really met him and it was just the two of us. And I could tell his English was a little bit broken and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to back off with him that day. I'm like, okay, because normally I would have intervened when I heard him stumbling and trying to find the words in English um, with the cashier and the store um, personnel to try to help him purchase this gift for the co-pastor who was leaving the church. Normally, I would have tried to help out. I would have interfered, but I felt the Holy Spirit telling me just don't say anything, step back, let him take care of it. Okay, all right, so I did. And so he purchased, he managed to figure it all out eventually. <laughs> and he purchased, and he did a great job really, but he purchased the gift and he walked me to my car and it was still daylight. It was in the parking lot outside the mall. And, you know, we told each other where our cars were and everything. And so he walked me to my car and then he hands me, um, he hands me a little envelope and asks me to read it. So I open it up and he's drawn this beautiful, I found out later that he drew these a lot and probably traced them. But at the time I thought, wow, he's so artistic. And I was really impressed, but he had written, you know, drawn a picture of praying hands no, I'm sorry. It was Jesus' face. Those were his two main um, drawings he did was the praying hands and the Jesus' face. And it had the Jesus' face. And then you open the paper note. It was like a white paper note. I mean, the cover was beautiful. It really was. Um, it was like black and white with white paper and a black, probably ink pen. And I opened it up and he had written scripture to me in Spanish. And it just kind of blew me away. It was very romantic. And, you know, now in hindsight, I'm pretty sure that would be called love bombing. But I didn't know that at the time. I thought it was very sweet, very kind, very nice, very romantic. And then he pulls out this copper um, wall piece of a flower. And it was gorgeous, but kind of freaked me out a little bit because I just met the guy. And um, again, I believe that was love bombing. It was the very first time we had met and he gives me this flower. And I tried to say, oh, no, I can't accept that. But he insisted. So I took it and said, thank you. And I felt good. He made me feel good. And I just remember that feel good feeling. Um, so that is how I met my ex-husband. And um, I just was very impressed and thanked him. And I can't remember, I think we may have hugged briefly. Um, and then we both went our separate ways from what I remember. So that is how I met my ex-husband. 
let me know if you want me to go through the next steps. Um, but as you can see, there are already some red flags in this story. So that I didn't realize at the time. So um, how did you meet your abuser? Was he love bombing you? Like my ex-husband was love bombing me? Oh, and most importantly, related to this story, later I found out and discovered from my ex-husband himself that that whole thing was a test for me, according to him, that he had already picked out and chosen the gift and he just was testing me to see if I would interfere when he was trying to purchase the gift because he didn't want to be with a woman who would interfere. He wanted a woman who would let him do it. And that is a huge red flag. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're going to test somebody, why are you with them? That's my opinion. So it was another red flag that I didn't see at the time. Um, live and learn, right? I was young. I was only probably about 22 years old or so. 21, 22, that age. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, I love you and Jesus loves you more. God bless you. Stay safe.